When David was a little past the top of the mountain where there was Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, who met him with a couple saddle donkeys, and on them were 200 loaves of bread and two and 100 clusters of raisins, 100 summer fruits and a skin of wine. You can read 2 Samuel chapter 9 and, and remember uh, Ziba. He was a servant of Mephibosheth, uh, Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. All exclaiming, Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. This Ziba was a servant of Mephibosheth the son of Jonathan, to whom David showed great kindness to in Second Samuel chapter 9. At this time of great need, Ziba met David with essential supplies. This was a generous and helpful gift from Ziba. We learn how kind and generous David was to Jonathan's son. This time it was returned to David by Ziba. The Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 6 verse 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Now let's join Pastor Rob with his teaching for today. God has a way of bringing that out in our life, doesn't it? To find out whether we are loyal or whether we are a turncoat and a coward. Which are you? Which am I? So David went up, verse 30, by the ascent of the Mount of Olives, again going eastward. And he wept as he went up, and, and he had his head covered and went barefoot. And all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up, weeping as they went. And again, uh, having been to Israel, and if you've been to Israel, you know the landscape. As you're out there on the, on the Temple Mount, you, you can look out over that valley, and you go up, and you, the, the, the Garden of Gethsemane is there on the side of the hill. And then you continue rising, and you continue going, and and uh, uh, Bethany is over here, and then Baharim, we're going to look at that a little later, is a little bit further away, and then you go across the Judean plains and the foothills, and you go right down into the valley of Jordan. And David is on his way, and this scene is just, it's just so picturesque in my mind. And incidentally, this is the same place as David comes up the hill there to the Mount of Olives, it's the same place where Jesus suffered in the garden. It's also the place near where he ascended 40 days after his resurrection in Bethany, on that same mountain, not too far away, about two miles. Same place. Verse 31, Then someone told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. And now it happened when David had come to the top of the mountain where he worshipped God. There was Hushai, Hushai is his name, 
and of the archite coming to meet him with his robe torn and dust on his head. And David said to him, If you go with me, then you will become a burden to me, Hushai. In other words, you are a liability for me if you come. You're a great friend, but I can't have you come with me. I don't know what Hushai looked like. He may have been an older man. And maybe David saying, you know what, you're better off just going and submitting yourself to my son. Just, you know, you have no reason to be out here. We don't even know where we're going yet. Hushai, stay back and preserve yourself. He says, verse 34, But if you return to this city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, as I was with your uh, father's servant previously, so I will now also be your servant, then may... Then you may defeat the counsel of Ahithophel for me. And you remember, we looked at Ahithophel last time we were together. And do you not have Zadok and Abiathar, David said, the priests with you there, my other moles? <laughs> They're there with you, Hushai. Zadok and Abiathar, their two sons, and you, five of you at least. You guys listen and let me know what's going on and send word to me out in the plain. And indeed, they have there with them their two sons, Ahimez, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abiathar's son. And by them you shall send me everything you hear. So he'd be gathering intelligence with those four men. So Hushai, David's friend, look at that. Underline that. It's such a wonderful thing. Hushai, David's friend. By the Spirit of God, it puts it in there. David's friend. David had very few friends. And it's a moment like this when everything is being shaken up. Uh, Something I'm learning is that when everything starts to go to pot, you find out who your friends are and who your enemies are. Because everyone likes to be around you when the money's flowing and everything and there's success of some kind. But as soon as things start going downhill, you really find out who your friends and your enemies really are. And it takes something like this sometimes to expose it to expose the hearts of people. And that's exactly what is happening here. And David's going to find out who are really his, who really are love him just because they love him. And he finds out who the enemies are, are, really are. And so Hushai, David's friend, went into the city, and Absalom came into Jerusalem. It's been said um, that a faithful friend is one of heaven's best gifts. Do you have a friend? Do you have somebody who's a really good friend, someone you can confide in, someone you can pray with, someone you can tell them all of your dirty laundry, and you have every confidence that they're not going to betray you, they're not going to talk behind your back? Very seldom does that happen anymore. But if you have a friend like that, hold on to them. And be willing to be a friend like that. When somebody says, hey, just keep this between you and I, are you able to do it or are you on the phone or are you texting somebody saying, I can't believe so-and-so said this and did you hear what they said and what happened to them? And I can't believe it. I thought they were this holy person. Happens all the time. But to have a friend who says, you know what, I'd rather die than speak a bad word against my friend. David had a friend like that in Jonathan. Remember Jonathan before he died? says that their love for each other was, 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 was even more than the love of women. They weren't gay. But their love for each other, the bond that they had as brother to brother, was so tight. They would, they would take a bullet for each other. That is a friend. 
And God has a way of allowing life to bring those things out. And in the passage of time, we find out really what we're made of, what kind of friend we really are. And let me just say this. If you break somebody's heart, if you break a friend's heart, you betray their trust, apologize to them and never do it again. Apologize to them and be close to them. And there's going to be consequences. Trust is broken. It's like when a man or a woman, a, man, a husband or a wife commits adultery. It, you, you can be forgiven by your spouse, but it's going to take time for that to heal. It's going to take time to build that trust again, maybe even years. And are you willing to go through it? You better. If you want it to last. But to be a loving friend. Psalm 3 is a great psalm. Let me just read it to you. Just put it in the margin of your Bible because this is where we believe David wrote this psalm as he was fleeing from Absalom. Let me just read it to you. In fact, in the prologue of the psalm, it says, A psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. And that's exactly where we're at right now. He says this, O Lord, they have, how they are increased that trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say to me, There is no help for him in God. But you, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept, and I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, and save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. And what is the exhortation in this? Be faithful where God has placed you. Absalom comes against his own father, not content with where he was in life, thinking and presuming that he was going to be the heir apparent. And unfortunately, David, we've said this before, but David didn't communicate, it seems, to many people that really the one who was going to take his place would be Solomon. It appears that there's only a handful of people in the inner circle that knew that. I don't know that Absalom knew that. Amnon had died. Daniel, or Chiliab, was David's second. He, he died when he was real young. So the next one in line, the heir apparent, was Absalom. And so he's going for it. He's going for it, not knowing that there was already a chosen one. God had chosen Solomon, not Absalom. And Absalom was seeking to do something that God had never called him to do. Be faithful where God has placed you and don't seek to tear down or overthrow someone because of your own greed or your own pride, thinking that you can do it better. Hey, guess what? You may be able to do it better, but God has chosen people. And that's the thing that freaks people out, is how God can choose someone who's just not quite that great. And somebody else has got all the charisma. They can speak better. They can do better. They even look, more, they even look better got the pedigrees behind them. They got all this big following. God says, I could care less. I could care less. I've chosen him, and I'm going to do great things through him, not Absalom. I'm going to do great things through him. Yes, he's the tall, dark, and handsome fellow, but I haven't called him. I called David, and I called Solomon, his son. I have not called him. So be careful what lane you're in. <laughs> How many companies in America... Are, seeking, are, are, are trying to be overthrown by people that are underneath the boss. How many churches in America have pastors, and are, the pastors and churches have elders and deacons and other people secretly conspiring behind the pastor's back, getting him to, to get ousted because they think they can do better? It happens all the time. And Absalom, 
He was that man. Be content with the little things, and God will promote you in his due time. In Daniel chapter 2.21, it says that God changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings, and he raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. In Psalm 75, verse 6, it says, For exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. That's God's business. It's not our business. We should never entangle ourselves in, 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 in these kinds of things. And finally, as we look at this, we look at David, and what is he doing? Is he holding on to his, 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 his title? Is he, is he like, no, I am the king of Israel. Mm, nobody's going to take it away from me. You ever seen a kid with a toy? He's like, no, it's mine. <laughs> you ever seen kids do that? And they pout. And, mm. They got a twin brother or something like that, and they're fighting over a Tonka truck. And yet David, he's like, I'm going to trust. What does it say in Proverbs? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not just a little bit of it, but all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all of your ways. All of your ways, boy, that's a tall order. Oh, help. <laughs> In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. He will direct your paths. But trust in him. David is trusting in God. I'm leaving. (laughs) Absalom's coming. There's going to be bloodshed. And you know what? I've done a lot to this city. I don't want to see it destroyed. I don't want to see the people destroyed. In order for there to be a conflict, two people have to engage. And David says, no thanks. I'm gone. And he walks. One of the most spiritual things that can be done is to walk away from a fight. But David had a deep trust for God, just like Job. Remember when Job says, Though God slay me, yet I will trust in him. Though he slay me, even though he didn't slay him, but he allowed him to be wounded deeply. He says, Even though you slay me, Lord, I will trust you. And I tell you, Job was broken. Don't you think that whole thing with removing you know, his, his sons and his daughter and his livestock and his family and everything was just destroyed and then the, finally the enemy touches his very skin, his bone. He gets a disease and he's like in, in a really bad place and completely broken. Man, I tell you, so few people get there. And not that God has to bring those kind of maladies on us to bring us to a place of brokenness, but sometimes he does. Sometimes he does. I don't understand it. It's not like some cookie-cutter religion. We can't you know, look at somebody else going through that and say, well, God must not love you because he's really doing these hard things in your life. And why is it that everything is going great in my life and I feel like I'm on top of the world? Well, maybe the Lord needs to do that in that person. There's things that you don't understand. And other people are watching too. His life is on display. What is he going to do? He may have parents and siblings and other people looking at him, seeing how he's going to respond to this blight and this pain in his life. And the true Christian can say, Ah, oh, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. And to have that testimony going through all that stuff, man, is huge. That's like gold. It's gold. It's not wood and chaff and hay that just gone. No, this is the real stuff. It's the gold and the silver the things that God wants to do. That's the kind of stuff he wants to make us out of. That's what he's doing in David's life. The world says, you're just a weakling and a wimp. You can think that all you want. David's in heaven and you're going to hell. (laughs) Right? That's what David can say. I'm going to heaven and you're going to hell. You can call me a wimp and a whatever you want. But guess what? I know God. 
And would the God that you knew, God, the way I know God, I trust in him. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. It's a good thing to be in. And to know, the, the, the Greek word is gnosko. It, it's, it's a word that means to know by experience. And this was something that the disciples learned too. It says in John chapter 6, verse 66, it says, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? And Peter answered him and said, Lord, where should we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The word know there is gnosko. We've learned by experience, through experiential. We've learned by experience, walking with you these three years, Lord, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And see, that's the difference, to know him. Job would say, you know, I've heard with you with the ear, but now I know you. Now I know. And to know that way, no one will be able to take it away from you. Your walk is like a trophy to the Lord when you go through stuff like that. The things you've gone through and people look and they see and they're like, oh my goodness. God got you through all of that. What a disaster it was, but now look at you. You know, what a wonderful thing. Don't ever be discouraged by your shortcomings, your sin. David was, but he knew he was forgiven. Are you forgiven? Have you asked God to forgive you? I would encourage you to do that. He had learned, David, by experience, the grace, the mercy, the love, the forgiveness of God. And I love what it says in Psalm 34, verse 8. Another song of David where he said, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who what? Who trusts in him. David tasted and saw that the Lord is good. And what a testimony he had. And what great comfort we have as we read these psalms. As we go through things and we read the heartbreak and the brokenness. And we're like, man, we are in such good company. You know, when you read the Bible, you are in great company. Especially when you're going through the stuff that's just racking you with everything you've got. And you feel like, God, I just I don't think I can take anymore. I just feel like wave after wave is billowing on me and just wiping me out, Lord. I am so tired. I'm so beaten. I'm so broken. And God's going, wonderful. Look to me. Look to me. Look to me. Don't resist. Don't fight. Stop kicking. And David is walking across the Kidron Valley, broken. Are you getting to know the Lord like this? Are you learning to to trust and submit to the Lord? In Galatians 5.21, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and long-suffering or patience. It takes patience. Are you patient? Are you willing to be patient? Are you willing to grow in patience? I don't grow in patience unless I find myself being in places where I'm really impatient. And then I find out how impatient I really am and how much I need to grow in patience. So when you find yourself in those places, just submit to them and say, Lord, I know I'm just, my flesh is rising up. I just want to kill somebody. <laughs> But Lord, I just, I can't, I can't. I, I, I just surrender. I surrender. I surrender. When David was a little past, going into chapter 16 here. When David was a little past the top of the mountain where there was Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, who met him with a couple saddle donkeys, and on them were 200 loaves of bread and, two, and 100 clusters of raisins, 100 summer fruits and a skin of wine. 
You can read 2 Samuel chapter 9 and, and remember uh, Ziba. He was a servant of Mephibosheth, uh, Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. Uh, David took Mephibosheth in after the death of Saul and his, his dad, Jonathan. And Ziba was supposed to, because Mephibosheth was wounded and he was a crippled, Ziba was the one and his sons, they were to take care of of Mephibosheth's property, his, his flocks and everything, they, and, the, and the, the vineyards. They were to take care of those things for Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth got to eat with the king, this, son of, of, this grandson of Saul. Think of how great and what mercy was there. And then the king said, And where is your master's son, Ziba? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he's staying in Jerusalem, for he said, Today the house of Israel will restore the kingdom of my father to me. We don't know whether this is really true or not, because if it was true, Mephibosheth would certainly have the motive. But in 2 Samuel 19, verse 24, we're going to get to this in a few weeks, he claimed that Ziba deceived him. So this is probably not a true statement at all. And we'll look at that when we get to it. So the king said to Ziba, Here, all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. So all the things, that all the land, uh, King David's just kind of had it up to here. He's like, I don't even know who to believe now. There's so much deception. Does that sound familiar? You know, the press is telling me one thing, but the reality is something else. And, and David's like, I don't know who to believe. Mephibosheth is not here, but Ziba's here giving us goods, and he's telling me something. I don't know if it's true or not. I've got no reason to not believe him, but I don't quite get it because... Mephibosheth was a very humble man. He was very thankful. I, I, can't, I can't imagine that he would do something like that. So David is conflicted. and He's like, you know what? All of his land is yours. You know, in a weak moment of frustration, perhaps, he says, Ziba, you take his land. You know, if he's a turncoat, then you just take it. You know, David not knowing. And later we'll see how that is restored back to Mephibosheth, at least half of it. So the king said to Ziba, Here, all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. And Ziba said, I humbly bow before you, that I may find favor in your sight, O Lord, my king. And so now when King David came to Baharim, uh, which is further east uh, from the Mount of Olives, going eastward, there was a man from the family of the household of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera, coming there uh, from there. And he came out cursing continuously as he came. And he's thinking to himself, David is finally being deposed. He deserves it. And as he's up on the mountain, he's looking down there in the valley as David and all of his, his entourage, his family, the king's family is, 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 is going. And he's up there on the top and he's kicking the dirt on top, looking down on them, picking up rocks and throwing them at him. And um, thinking that... All of a sudden now, maybe the kingdom will resort back to the, the, the Benjamin, right? Back to Saul's descendants, or maybe even to Mephibosheth, you know? He's thinking these things and, and, and assuming that David's done now. He's done. He's walking out. He's, he's defeated. We'll never see him again. They'll probably chase him down and kill him. He's done. And now he's ingratiating himself to this new master, whoever that may, may be, assuming that ultimately... The, the tribe of Benjamin may take uh, control again. Who knows? But notice what he said to him. He threw stones at David and all the servants of David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right side and on his left. And Shimei said this when he cursed, Come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. Now David was certainly not a bloodthirsty man. He was a sinner and made some really huge mistakes, especially with the death of Uriah. But Shimei's words were nothing but slander and hatred. 
I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.